Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Today's episode of The Unmistakable Creative is brought to you by Cells. That's S-E-L-Z dot com. With Cells, you can add your products and sell from any site in minutes without any complicated setup or hassle. They handle the payments when a customer buys and send you the money while providing your customer with a completely seamless experience. In spite of all our communication technology, no invention is as effective as the sound of the human voice. When we hear the human voice, we instinctively want to listen in the hopes of understanding it. Even when the speaker is searching for the right words to say, that's because the human voice resonates differently from everything else in the world.
This is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. Listen in on candid conversations with creative entrepreneurs and insanely interesting people. In this episode of the Unmistakable Creative, I speak with Matt Kepnes. After a trip to Thailand in 2005, Matt decided to quit his job, finish his MBA, and head off into the world. What started out as a one-year trip has turned into a seven-year journey in which travel has defined his life. Matt, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, well, I mean, people who are listening probably don't know, but uh, this is the second time we've had to do this. Fortunately, you sound about a thousand times better. Uh, Thank God, you know, Skype is working for both of us this time. Oh, well... (laughs) Let's hope so. We had a whole hour here. You never know. Yeah, that's true. We've just started, but uh, the way things are sounding, uh, I'm very happy. So, Matt, uh, let's get to it. Uh, You know, I I think let's start with with your story and kind of, you know, who you are, what your story is, and how that has led you to doing all the things that you're doing today. Well, uh, my name is Matt, and I run a travel blog called Nomadic Matt, and about... In 2004, I took a trip to Costa Rica. I'd never traveled before. Um, I can count on one hand where I went to with my parents. But I'd never been overseas, a place I needed a passport, never been anywhere on my my own. And I went to Costa Rica on the tour. And I just kind of fell in love with travel. Saw that there was more to life than the two-week vacation, that it was possible to travel long-term. So... Decided right then and there to quit my job, came back home, quit my job, finished an MBA I was uh, studying for because I had originally planned to just take a year off and then come back and use that degree. That that hasn't really worked out. So if any of your <laughs> listeners want to buy an MBA, I'm selling it really cheap. I have student loans I need to pay it off. Best offer, best offer. Well, Matt, I'm, I'm offering my MBA for sale. I never thought to do that on the air, but I'll, I'll do the same. I have student loan debt to pay as well. All right, two MBAs for the price of one. Yeah, I think that's best a good Best offer. Deal. Come on, audience. <laughs> um, so I finished my MBA, and I went. I left home in July 2006 for a year. Came back 18 months later. Didn't have a job, was super broke. Sat down in a cubicle. Because I I eventually got a temp job, and I realized that the last year and a half, it was like it never happened. There I was, back in the cubicle, doing absolutely something I despised. So I thought to myself, what is it that I really want to do? And it was travel more. And I thought, well, what job could I do that, um, that would let me travel more? Travel writer, that sounds great. So being a product of the internet age, I did what most of us do when we want to find a job. I went online, (laughs) and I started a blog. I thought, all right, well, I'll have this website. People can find me. I can use it to submit to editors. And long story short, over time, it just kind of grew and grew as more people came to me to ask the question, you travel the world, how can I do it too? Mm -hmm. And here we are. In 2014, five and close to six years later, April will be my six-year anniversary. Um, and I'm just helping as many people as I can uh, to help get them on the road, mm-hmm. to inspire them to travel more, um, to prove that travel isn't expensive and you can you know, go anywhere in the world you want. Well, Matt, let's do this. Let's take, let's take a few steps back to the to the beginning of this. I mean, I think that one of the things that really kind of struck me that I, I think is is interesting is you said you had never traveled anywhere before other than where you were with your parents. And so this is like a drastic change in, in sort of worldview and, and a perception of how things are. And, uh, you know, I, I'm curious, are there things, and maybe travel isn't the thing for, for somebody, but there are other things that they want to experience sort of a drastic change. You know, what, what I'm finding, the more and more I talk to people, I find that sometimes it's, it's a significant emotional experience that causes change. And for you, that's what this sounded like. Uh, and I'm curious, you know, I mean, regardless of whether it's travel or not, I mean, what do you think it is that takes, what can we do to experience that significant emotional experience that, that causes these kinds of changes? Well, for me, you know, I went away on that original trip because I was working. 
And I thought, what do you do when um, you have a job and two weeks vacation a year? You, you take a vacation, right? So I was following the, the path laid out before me, and that led me to the path that I am on now, which kind of, there's some irony there. Uh-huh. Um, but, but I think, you know, to make the change to, you know, to go from I've never traveled to I've, I've, I'm, that's all I do now, I think it's hard for people to, you know, make such a drastic change. So what was good for me and what I recommend to a lot of people is, you know, take the baby step into, you know, the shallow end of the pool, right? So for me, that was going on a tour. Mm-hmm. I took a two-week tour. I didn't go by myself. I went on a tour with a big company. I sent them, you know, I had vetted them. I followed all their rules. I bought everything they said on their list. And that sort of wet my feet into, you know, travel because it made me comfortable then reaching out and doing it on my own. And I think a lot of people say, well, you know, I would love to do that too, but I can't do it like you do it. Well, you don't have to do it like I do it. Um, do it how do it in a way that's comfortable for you, mm-hmm. and often that's just taking like the small step, you know, taking that first step. Yeah, I I love this. I mean, God, I wish wish this was a conversation that happened more often. I mean, I think that you know, obviously, the internet perpetuates the the you know basically bail out every, you know on everything and leave and and you know I mean, of course, you know, we see your life, Matt, through the pictures you post, um, through the, through the stories you tell. But I know there's another side of this. I mean, I, I've seen, I've even read some of the stuff you've written about it. I mean, it isn't it isn't all just fun and games. It's not just glory and sitting on a beach drinking mai tais. There's some pretty dark parts of it, like. You know, I mean, I remember thinking, do you remember seeing, I think something you wrote on Medium, you're saying, yeah, it's lonely at times. Yeah, you know, I mean, when you're on the road, when you're doing what I do um, for so long, you know, I, I was pretty consistently on the road for seven and a half years. Um, you know, and there's ups and downs. You're, you get lonely. It's hard to really have a girlfriend or a relationship when you're moving every couple of months. Um you get too used to saying goodbyes and then eventually you just don't care to meet any new people because they're just going to leave in a few days. Right. Mm -hmm. So what's the point? So you do get like highs and lows. And then after a while you're like, what do I need to go see, you know, that church for, or that waterfall? I've seen a million of them. Um, So the grass is always greener, but I think that it is true for a lot of things. When you do something so often and and for such a long period of time there are going to be sort of low points when you just don't don't care anymore mm-hmm. um so it's always good to step back whenever i feel this way i either you know come back to new york city where i have a home base or i'll just stay in a destination for a really long time and watch movies and sit on Facebook and eventually I'm going to get bored of that and be like, <laughs> man, I really miss, you know, I, traveling. I can't wait to go see more churches and temples and waterfalls. Yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And then you go out again, you're really excited to meet people and, you know, you, you get reinvigorated and, and fresh again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Your 2013 was a really good year for me professionally, but a lot of my travels was related to business. Um, conferences and book tours and meetings and everything in between. I felt really burnt out by the end of the year. And I, for two months, sat in New York City. And then I went to Nicaragua, and now I'm really reinvigorated, and I'm planning a million and one trips in my head because I was just traveling. I was doing what I used to love to do and still love to do, going on my own, exploring places at my own pace, and, you know, once you get back into it, you realize what made you love it in the first place, and now I'm just hooked again. Mm-hmm. It's funny, you know, you bring up the goodbyes, and I remember one of my friends said, you shouldn't be friends. I, I lived in Costa Rica for six months, uh, and one of my friends said, what's the point in being friends with the tourists? They're all leaving, you know, and I, I remember distinctively once it happened, I, I spent two weeks hanging out with a friend, and I realized, oh, wait a minute, you're not going to be here, and it, it's it's really an interesting thing. I mean, I think that you know, we, we sort of glamorize this idea of not being tied and, and being completely free. And yet I think that we have this, we, we have a, a need for roots to some degree. 
Um, and, and that's why, like, you know, when I listen to you talk about coming back to New York and actually enjoying it and, you know, sitting around doing nothing, uh, it, it sounds crazy, right, to think who the hell would enjoy that after they've been on the road. But, you know, I mean, sometimes the nicest thing to do is to come home and be like, you know, this is great. I'm perfectly happy sitting here on a couch, you know, surfing the web. Exactly. People go on, on vacation to do what I'm doing. I go on vacation, and I do exactly what people do in their everyday lives. I sit at home, <laughs> I turn on Hulu Plus, I order delivery, I sleep, and I'm like, do not bother me. You know, but everyone, ha- we all need our batteries recharged. Mm-hmm. Well, Matt, let's do this. Let's 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 shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about this whole baby step idea of getting comfortable and and you know putting your feet in the shallow end of the pool. Uh, you know, I, I think that a lot of people will hear that and they'll be like, "Well, that sounds great," but you know, how do I still start? I mean, I think that one of the, the hardest things for most people is just to start. Sometimes they don't know where to start. They don't know how to start. Um, and then, of course, you know, there's they're sort of the motivation to start. Uh, and I'm curious kind of how you deal with all of those elements of this. I mean, you know, when you, when you were at the, you know, very beginning of this, uh, I mean, how do you get past those initial mental hurdles? Well, in the beginning, um, I – it was tough, um, you know. Hold on, let me start that over again. <laughs> I got to think about that. That's a good question right there. Um, how do you get past those mental hurdles? You just kind of have to jump. There's a quote, it's a Dutch proverb saying, the hardest part is getting out the door. And that's really true. Travel is actually really easy. Um, you know, you make your way around what, your home city, right? You get on the bus. You know, you find a restaurant. You, that's what you do on the road. You just ask people where a good place to go is. And, yeah, it's a lot. It is work. But people get overly anxious about about this. Oh, my God, I'm going to be in a foreign country. What am I going to do? Who, how will I survive? And I felt that way a lot in the beginning. But, you know, to get – you just – you know, and this sounds contrite, but you just have to kind of do it, mm-hmm. you know. And to go back to this thing of baby steps, what I tell people a lot is if you're uncomfortable going into the real exotic, go to someplace that's kind of the same. So, for example, if you're an American and you're really afraid of going, um, you know, backpacking through or traveling through Africa, right? You're not just ready to go there. Well, start off with an, another English-speaking country that's sort of similar. You know, go to Australia or New Zealand or the U.K., right? Um, go to Scandinavia where they speak great English. Mm-hmm. You know, start with a tour. Um, there, you know, explore the next state over. Kind of ease yourself into it because the mind is a powerful thing and perception is often reality. So if you perceive travel to be this scary you know, too difficult to manage thing, you're, you're going to believe that and you're going to stay at home. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I really like to hold people's hands a lot, especially in America because we don't have a real travel culture. We have, you know, a vacation culture. We go to the all-inclusive resort in Mexico for two, for two weeks and we're like, yeah, I've been to Mexico, <laughs> you know, but we've never left the resort. Um, so I get a lot of emails from people who are just nervous about about this. Uh-huh. So I think start with something familiar and work into something unknown. You know, Matt, it, it's interesting. As I listen to you talk about this, to me, it's it's much more than about what you're talking about is about much more than travel. I think every creative endeavor is a foreign country waiting to be explored. Um, and those questions about, you know, how will I survive? You know, what am I going to do? I don't think those are just related to travel. I think those are related to every, any, because here's the thing, right? You know, whatever it is, is foreign to us now, whether it's a country, whether it's a creative endeavor, whether it's a project, whether it's a new job, whether it's a you know, crazy idea, every one of those is a foreign country in some way or another. And what you're talking about really is a metaphor that applies to everything in our lives. Wouldn't you say? I I would you know totally agree. You know, this year I'm going to do a lot of 
new things um, professionally and personally. And one of them personally is to eat healthy. And I have a friend sort of giving me advice. And I'm like, I must text him like 10 times a day. Be like, is this okay? Is this okay? <laughs> what if I do this? If I do this, is this going to get all messed up? Just like relax. It's going to be okay. And I think whenever we, whenever we break out of our comfort zone, we get nervous because humans, human psychology, we like assurances. We, you know, we're built to be comfortable and secure. Mm-hmm. And so when, when we go out into the unknown, we're, we don't know what to do with ourselves. But I also think people, they doubt themselves too much. I doubted myself a lot when I, I um, started. I still doubt myself. You know, it, I'm glad you brought this up, Matt, because I think that, you know, one of the things, as I told you before we hit record here, but, you know, like part of what, what intrigues me more than, you know, you, the fact that you've grown a blog and published a book is that you've got this incredible story of, of you know, making these drastic changes and becoming this, you know, completely different person uh, in a lot of ways. You know, you go from a guy who has never traveled to, you know, becoming somebody who literally does nothing but travel. But, you know, in those initial days, what I'm curious about, you know, you mentioned that you doubt yourself and, and you did even then and, and you still do now. I'm curious about sort of molding moments, like moments in which you are like, you know, you, you could see transformation happening. You could feel transformation happening. Like what were some pivotal moments in those early days for you? You know, I, I, I think I get the, I've been asked this before. And I think in retrospect, um, it's always hard to say this is the moment it changed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to, I can definitely say I am a different person now than I was in the beginning. And I can definitely point out that, you know, that moment I went to Costa Rica, that was a, a big point. When I met those backpackers, that was a huge point. When I decided that I wanted to make travel a career, that was a big point. Uh, but when it comes to, like, personal changes, they have, for me, they happen so incrementally that sometimes I don't notice them. There were definitely moments when I realized traveling, like, wow, I, um, I really sorted myself out. For example, you know, I, I moved to Bangkok in early 2007 to learn Thai. Um, I was just going to take a couple of weeks of classes, and I ended up staying there nine months. Mm-hmm. I got a teaching job. I've made friends. I got a girlfriend for a while. I mean, it was great. And I look back on that time at sort of at the end and realize if I could find an apartment, find a job, you know, get a girlfriend, get a circle of friends in a different part of the world where I don't even speak the language, I could probably make it anywhere. I could probably go somewhere and set myself up just like I did in Bangkok. And at the time, it seemed really difficult. Um, you know, it seemed like I was never going to find my footing. But one day, you just sort of found your footing, mm-hmm. uh, my footing. And, I, you know, I, I, look, I can look back on moments and say this is, was a pivotal moment. I think I'm never, for me personally, I'm never in a moment and be like, oh, my God, this is a big, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is a big change. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's for me. I, I think looking back retrospectively, I can see a lot of moments like, Living in Bangkok mm-hmm. taught me that I could re- I could really do this. So I was more independent than I gave myself credit for. You know, I, I think it's interesting that you brought up that you, you, you can only see it looking back, right? And and they're incremental. And I think that in our minds, um, when we haven't achieved some sort of a goal or success or ideal, I think that what happens is is we we actually play it out to be this big moment. But the funny thing is when that so-called moment comes, it's really the byproduct of a lot of incremental things. I mean, you know, I can look back now and say, okay, yeah, there were certain conversations that I've had with people on this show that dramatically shaped and influenced, you know, the, the launch of the unmistakable creative, like, but you know, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't predict that. Um, and it's, it's really interesting. 
And I think that, that that's something that we have to get our heads around. It, it really, I mean, I think it just speaks volumes to the, the notion that, you know, small steps matter. Small steps make a big difference. And that every single day matters. It's not just, hey, I'm going to show up, I'm going to do this one big thing. I think it, it's really, it's, it's sort of that difference between the marathon and the sprint that it really is a marathon in my mind to do anything that is, is remarkable work or interesting work or, or creative work. Well, you know, like it's a, what I think it was La Zoo, I, the journey of a thousand miles <laughs> starts with a single step, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I recently saw a friend. He's like, "Oh, you look a little bigger. Have you been going to the gym?" And I have, but when you and but when I look in the mirror, I don't really see mm-hmm. a lot of change. But I look in the mirror, I see myself every day. So you don't really notice it until one day I'm going to be like, "Oh wow, look, I I do have those abs." Right? Uh, I mean, that's going to be many months from now. I, I have a hard time giving up pizza. Yeah. Um, I'm not giving up pizza. That sounds like a terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really difficult. And you're in New York at the moment, right? Yeah. That's, that sounds like a disaster. I don't know how you're doing it. Um, I live next to three pizza places that sell dollar slices. Yes. Yeah, that and, would be an f- epic fail of an experiment for me. Yeah, and they're open really late. So after I come back <laughs> a couple of cocktails with you know my friends, I'm like I'm kind of hungry right now, and there's dollar pizza. It's really hard to say no. Mm-hmm. So Matt, let's do this. Let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Let, let's talk about writing. Uh, you know, I mean, you've written a book, which is, which is amazing. I think that's a dream for a lot of people. But let's start in the earlier days of your writing. I mean, I, I think that. Uh, you know, travel writing in particular, like, it's funny because I, I was actually walking through a Barnes & Noble the other day, or yesterday, and I stumbled upon your book. And you know what? It was really funny. I was like, okay, it's not in the entrepreneur subsection. It's in the travel essay section. I was like, you know, that's that's appropriate. I'm glad it's in this section because that, that to me was why I was like, okay, cool. Now I know Matt's going to have some really cool stories to share with us. Um, but let's, you know, before we get into some of the crazy things that have happened to you on the road, which I, I want to ask about, uh, let's talk about writing and, and, you know, mastering your craft to the point where, you know, you get a book deal. I mean, how, how did you get better and, and how did you, you know, how did you manage to stand out in a sea of noise? Practice, practice, practice. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, the more you write, the more, the better you get at it. I also think reading a lot helps. I've been a huge nerd since I was like 10. You know, I read the unabridged version of Les Miserables when I was 13 years old. Um, so my English teachers used to love me because I'd be like, have you read this like Dickens? And they'd be like, oh yeah, that was good. What are you doing reading it? Um, but reading a lot does help. Mm-hmm. Um, practice does help. But you know, I, I've gone and looked back at my stuff from the very beginning and nowadays I'm like, oh my God, this is awful. Um, you know, I, wh- why did anybody read me back then? <laughs> I, know, I think we I, all I'm, feel that way to some degree. I, I yeah. think if you don't feel that way about your work, uh, from even a year ago, you're not making progress. I think Chris Bil- Gilbo said that somewhere in a tweet. Yeah. I, I look at my stuff six months ago and I want to change it. Oh yeah. You know, I, I haven't read my book since it's been published because I know if I pick <laughs> it up, I would be like, this is crap. Uh-huh. And I would just start changing it. And I would want to add information. And I'm like, nope, I'm just going to leave it as it is until I have to update it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've always been comforted to know, and I don't know if the story is true, but I'm going to believe it is because it makes me feel better. That they said Robert Frost, to the day he died, hated how he ended the road not taken and was always working on it. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 
one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. <laughs> I think I've heard that before too. And if you think about that, the road not taken, one of the best poems in the history of humanity wasn't good enough for him, well then we all have a chance. Mm-hmm. But for me, you know, in the beginning, um, how did I get heard about the noise? I, with travel, there's, everyone wants to be a travel writer, right? You know, it's a dream job. Mm-hmm. It was for me. I mean, I had the, you know, the rose colored glasses. Ooh, I get paid to travel the world. It sounds great. <laughs> but what you, you know, now that the internet has, you know, eliminated all barriers to entry, there's no editors. You are the editor. You are the writer. You're everything now. So there's a lot of, junk out there mm-hmm. and so for me i made it a point to get edited and get edited often and i still get edited and i have someone read my site for small grammatical you know spelling errors but every couple of months i go you know to writing conferences and i ask you know travel editors to like just take randomly give them an article and be like tear this apart you know, I want to be picked to pieces because that's what makes you better. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important that if you want to start writing and you're unsure of your ability, get edited. Maybe even take a writing class. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have a book out, and I'm contemplating taking a writing class this year just to sort of polish some things, I, storytelling aspects I don't feel I'm strong at. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like anybody at their craft, they want to get better. If you're really serious about what you do, you need to make a serious effort to get better at it. And that means running a lot, listening to people who are better than you, um, and getting edited and taking classes to improve. Um, and, and also understanding the fact that your writing is never about you. It's about the reader. Mm-hmm. You don't care that I went to Mexico. Nobody does. I don't want to read a about your great life while I'm in the cubicle. What I want to read is a story that puts me there and makes me think I can be there too. And so good travel writing, and I think good writing places the reader in the story itself and gives them a a taste of culture and life in some exotic place that is really different from their own. And that inspires them 
to maybe go seek out the unknown and shows them that they too can go do this. Mm-hmm. And, and so I recommend to a lot of you know new writers like that's good writing. Those were lessons imparted to me by better by better writers and editors. You know, people I look up to. I mean, I'm I'm really really self critical of my my writing. I don't know why anybody reads me. Um, once in a while, I'm like, oh, that was really good, but you know, I'm overly critical. But one thing that was told to me by someone I really respect, he said, one thing I really like you like about you, Matt, compared to other bloggers, is that you make the stories about the reader, not about what you did today. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I love this. I mean, I think I'm very glad you you talked about craftsmanship um, and and sort of never being satisfied. You know, I think I've I may have mentioned this before. I, you know, I was listening to this interview with Judd Apatow, which is you know one it's one of the few podcasts I actually will will dabble into. Uh, you know, and I mean to listen to him talk about craft and how much time he was willing to put in and how bad he was willing to be in order to get good. Um, and, and constantly learning from from the people who are the best. I mean, it, it was you know one of my favorite lines from that interview that I heard with him. You know, he said he's like every day is the, is day one for me. Every day is the first time I'm doing this, um, and I have to do my best. I, I have to knock it out of the park. I'm not resting on my laurels because I've created you know these iconic things. We're starting over with a, with a blank page and a clean slate every single time, and we're trying to basically get as good as we can be and and doing our absolute best. I think there's this. Subtle distinction uh, that that is, you know, I, I see in people who are phenomenal at what they do and people who are just good. And, and it's simple, simply this. It's like there are people who basically know what's good enough for an A, but they also know it's not their absolute best. And the people who just put in what's good enough for an A, I think, are the ones who get buried in the noise because, I mean, there's so much competition and, you know, Ryan Holiday said, he's like, this is a ruthless battle for attention. And really, at the end of the day, quality rises to the top. There's no question about it. I mean, it's, it's, it's what I'm witnessing more and more. Um, you know, some of you guys have, have asked us, you know, what is what, you know, what do you guys look for in your guests? And we're like, we want to know that they're really good at what they do. We want to know that they're unmistakable. Uh, so, you know, I, I, and you're right. I mean, I think that it's all about going back and, and looking at it. I appreciate that you brought up the idea of taking writing classes and doing things. I mean, you had, you're, you know, you're a published author and, you know, you're, you're not satisfied with the quality of your craft. And I, I think that, that to me is, is regardless of whatever it is, whether you're a writer, whether you're an artist, I think that all people who create art of any form have that sense of devotion that, hey, I'm not going to rest until I die, basically, uh, in terms of the standard I've set for what I'm doing. Well, exactly. And, and like Ryan said, you know, it's, it's really ruthless on the web. You have to always be striving to be better. You know, perfection will never happen. It's always about progress. But I always try to strive to be perfect because that pushes me forward. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you really have to be um, trying, you know, and evolving and, and getting better because it is about quality. You know, yeah, there's all these, you know, sites with low-quality articles that filter up through Google and, you know, content farms and what have you, but people really want to uh, read good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our mutual friend Steve Cam from Nerd Fitness, um, I was talking to him one day, and I said, Steve, you write really long posts. Why is that? And he said, if you write really long posts, you, you're – the people who read it are committing to your site. And so you get a better, sort of get, a, get better retention from your audience. So I was like, hmm, that's a really good point. So I started writing longer because I fell into sort of the myth that, you know, people have short attention spans. So you can't write more than 800 words. Mm-hmm. And I always felt that, felt that was stifling to me because I had plenty to say. And so I just started writing longer. And sure enough that, you know, people enjoy it more. And that was also sort of a, a moment where my site sort of broke, you know, broke higher a little more mm-hmm. um, because I was becoming more interesting mm-hmm. uh, and because people want quality. They want a good story. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think that you know, I, I want to caution people not to take away the lesson that, hey, the longer post is the formula to all your problems. But really, I think what, what it was is what you were wanting to say. Like, you weren't getting to say everything you wanted to say. I think yeah. that's the more important lesson in my mind is, that, hey, if you've got something that you just feel very compelled to say, I think that, you know, we hold back on that so often. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, my post uh, last week was like 450 words. Mm-hmm. You know, say what you need to say in the amount of words you need to say it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I was also cutting myself off because I felt people only read short stuff. I mean, I have posted like 5,000 words now. Um, you know, so it, it really depends on what you're writing about and the message you're trying to deliver. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it doesn't matter the word count. It matters the quality of the writing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, Matt, let's do this. Uh, speaking of quality of writing, let, let's shift gears and, and let's talk about the book. But I want to frame this a very different way than I normally do because I think it'll be fun. I'm very curious to see you. you know, your book is called How to Travel the World on $50 a Day. And rather than talk to us about how to do it, how about in the spirit of honoring everything you talk about, tell us a crazy story from your time on the road that involves $50 a day or even less than $50 a day. Ooh, less than $50 a day. Well. <laughs> that's, easy. that's easy too. Um, let's see. Crazy stories from the road. All right. There was the time when I traveled through Vietnam on $8 a day. Okay. Let's get into that then. <laughs> uh, How the hell do you do that? I mean, $8 a day. I, I, I don't think I can, I mean, you, you know, considering you're in New York, I jokingly tell people, you know, part of the reason I don't like New York is you might as well walk out of your, you know, wake up each morning and throw dollar bills out your window. Oh, tell me about it. I went to a friend's birthday a couple of days ago, two hours, couple of drinks, spent 50 bucks. <laughs> I was out for two hours. Yeah. I had two drinks. Oh. And, and yet you did $8 a day. So talk me through this. $8 a day through Vietnam. I mean, what, I mean what's possible with $8 a day? Well, Vietnam is a very cheap country, and we have a very favorable exchange rate. So that's a plus. Okay. Um, I come, you, you can get a dorm room or so for like Four or five dollars. Five dollars. Um, I really didn't drink that much, uh, but you can get twelve cent beers uh, from these little kegs on the side of the road. And if you stick to the street stalls and the markets, you know you're getting a dollar or two meals. So, you know you're looking at you know eight dollars a day most of the time. Oh, now of course some days I went over. If I had to travel, I might go ten to fifteen dollars. If I did a tour. Um, but for the most part, I was pretty much coasting through that country on around eight bucks. Cause sometimes I would go share a room with a friend mm-hmm. and I'd spend two fifty for, um, a bed. And of course I'm not staying in the Hilton, but <laughs> you know, I get a bed, I have a fan, I have a flush toilet. There's no cockroaches. I'm happy. Um, so you know, I mean, that's an extreme, but what, one of the things I always try to tell people about traveling is that in your day-to-day life, you're not spending a lot of money, right? You're not going out every day and to every fancy restaurant and drinking and doing all this stuff. Well, the people in the countries you're going to visit are doing the exact same thing. They're not going out all the time. If you really want to experience a culture, eat where they eat, travel and commute how they travel and do what they do. And so then you end up at, you know, the markets for eating, you know, $2 soup and riding the public bus for, you know, 50 cents and um, drinking $12 beers on the side of the road with some old Vietnamese guys um, (laughs) who are looking at you oddly because you're on a plastic chair by the keg and they never see that often. Um, so, you know, if you, you know, there's always the expression, oh, I want to I wanna travel like a loco. Ah, my version of that is I want to live like a loco. Mm-hmm. Do, do what locals do. Ex- you know, and then you get to really experience the culture, and you drastically reduce your costs. Right? You know, if you want to go to Mexico on the cheap, staying in a resort is not the way to do it. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that, that's fair. Well, let me okay. ask you this. Uh, you know, one of the question comes around this. I mean, have you ever found yourself in any sort of situations where you're thinking, okay, I'm in a foreign country and I'm in kind of a, a disastrous situation. How am I going to get myself out of this mess? Like, you know, what I jokingly refer to as like a Jack Bauer moment. <laughs> I luckily have not had any of those situations. I have paid bribes to some police officers. I once almost got in a fight with a cab driver in Amsterdam because um, he was ripping me off. But I haven't really been into any situations that are like, oh, my God, this is scary. What did I do? Well, you bribed a police officer, so you know I'm not going to let you off the hook. What would you have to bribe him for? Oh, um, well, <laughs> he's more of an immigration official. So I had to pay a bribe to sort of extend a visa. I was in the country slightly longer than the visa I had um, would have let me. So I, uh, I had to pay the guy to, get, to give me a new visa when he wasn't supposed to. This was in Cambodia where you can pretty much bribe anybody. Um, wonderful country, but I'm saying, you know, if you have money, you can bend some rules. So a couple of my friends and I had stayed, overstayed our visa, and so... We knew a Khmer guy who knew somebody who would literally take a new visa and place it over our old visa so it looked like we were still um, legally allowed to be there. <laughs> All right. So, Matt, let's, let's do this. Let, let's talk specifically about sort of the, the writing of the book and the process. I mean, you know, you, you basically have, have had all these experiences and – you kind of have to extract it for your reader into not only a book that shows somebody how to travel on $50 a day, but one that's hopefully entertaining, even if I decide not to travel on $50 a day. So talk to me about that process of sort of, you know, surveying your experiences and then translating them into sort of this, you know, cohesive arc and narrative that, that leads to a book. So, so the book, How to Travel the World on $50 a Day, um, was an ebook before it became a print book. You know, it was a small ebook I had, 30, 40 pages. Um, and then Penguin came to me and said, Hey, we like this. Do you want to expand it? Okay. Sounds like a great deal. But then I had to just put everything into it. And I also had to think about, well, I have to make it a budget travel book. Yeah, the book is how to travel the world, but I have to make it accessible to, you know, my mom and dad. And to middle America who might not want to travel on $50 a day but want ways to save money. So that was a real challenge because I had to make it – I had to write three books, one for the ultra cheap, one for the normal backpacker, and one for the budget traveler. Um, and I had to include it all into one book. So it took me a little while. You know, I wrote it originally as you know, a book for the backpacker, and then I thought, okay, what tips – would work for the budget traveler who has a little bit more money. Okay, we'll put in homestays and apartment rentals and things who things and activities that people who are staying in hostel dorms don't really uh, really do because they they're a little bit more money. And I got to think, what about for the people who really just want to go bottom of the barrel? Because I have plenty of people who go, oh, $50 a day, I can do 20 So I had to include all, like, the real, like, you know, hitchhiking and how, where is it good to hitchhike and how to work on farms and how to, you know, get free accommodation and, you know, how to get free flights and all that stuff. So it, it took a while. It took me... About six months to write, which I know is not a while in the grand spectrum of things and writing a book, but I type pretty fast. But, you know, it took a lot of work. The hardest part was then going back after I had written the first drafts and just making sure I got every little detail in, which is another reason why I won't read my book, because I'm always going to be like, oh, I should have added this, or, man, this is a new thing. Let me, I wish I could put this in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I honestly, I've asked this question to so many people. Nobody tells me the same thing twice when it comes to this process. 
um, you know, it's, and that's, that's one of the, the, the ongoing sort of mantras I always have to tell people is, you know, you, you know, don't treat any of our advice here from any of our guests as gospel. It's just guidance. Adapt it according to your own strengths, your own, own ways of doing things. Uh, you know, and my, my favorite phrase at this point is, you know, advice is uh, ingredients and the recipe is yours. Yeah, um, I, I would fully agree. You know, I write, I batch my writing. You know, I'll, I'll sit down and I will just pour out everything in like a two-hour you know, block, and I'll write like 10,000 words. Mm-hmm. And then I won't look at that for, you know, two or three weeks because I sort of used all my energy. But there are people who are like, they write for an hour a day. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. So I, I fully agree that it's very important that, you know, you adapt all these tips to sort of your own style. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no question about that. Um, it's 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 really so. Did you did you incorporate stories as well as tips to make the book entertaining? Yeah, um, I tales from the road of you know antidotes from my own experience. I include quotes and stories from other travelers. I still have that eighth grade view where if you're going to say something, you have to back it up with an example. Right. You know, when, when you learn writing in eighth grade, it's like introduction, you know, first statement, example, second statement, example. So I try to back up everything, um, everything I said with a story um, or an example from somebody else that proves that, that point. Mm-hmm. Right. And m- multiple points. Um, as often as possible. So there's a lot of stories in there, people losing cards and, you know, getting robbed and what they did. Um, me, you know, falling into the ocean and ruining a camera. I think I've done that on a vacation. I have too. I went to go get this angle of this town in Italy, Manarolo. It's in Cinque Terre. That was, <laughs> I've been I was there. Walking. What? Yeah, it's great. Beautiful beautiful place. So I was walking down the little ramp to the dock, you know, trying to not fall so I can get this sort of upward angle shot. Slipped on a bunch of moss, slid right down into the ocean, ass first, camera ruined, soaked, bag, everything in the bag, wet too. Disaster. (laughs) Funny in retrospect. And there were a bunch of little Italian kids there, and they just bust out laughing when they saw saw me do that. It's always amusing, isn't it? Somebody yeah. somebody somebody finds uh, humor in your in your discomfort when you're traveling. Yeah. So. Well, Matt, uh, this has been really, really interesting. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't thank you enough for, for joining us, but I, I want to wrap with my, my final question. And I'm going to change things up a little bit. I'm going to steal a question that I heard asked somebody, you know, uh, on, on another interview. It was, it was that Judd Apatow thing I mentioned. You know, what, is, you know what, what does success look like now? You know, or, you know, what does success look like when you've achieved everything you want? And what do you think separates the person who, does, who gets that from the one who, ones who don't? Mm, I, that really is a good question. For me, success rap, always boiled down to two things. One, being able to go where I want, when I want, for however long as I want. So having f- sort of freedom of mobility. Two, being able to afford sushi, because I really love sushi. Um, nowadays, you know, when you when you reach sort of a level of success, I think... You know, I'm a very type A personality, so I'm always like, more, 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 more. We can do it better. We can do it better. But, you know, moving forward, you know, for me, I kind of want to take a step back. I realize I've devoted too much into everything, and I need to find a better, better, better balance between work and play. And so, for me, success is being able to do what I want as often as I want, while being able to balance work, work too. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when you are really driven to create your own enterprise, you can easily lose yourself in it. And I think, you know, we can, oh, you know, I have a big website, I have a huge audience, um, you know, I, I have a 
pretty decent income, you're really successful. But a lot of people who are workaholics, you know, they something else suffers. You know, what is really success? Balance. Mm-hmm. That's my my view of success. Balance. Awesome. What's your view of success? Um, Turn the question on you. <laughs> I think it's the first time somebody's ever done that to me at the end of the interview. Well, for me, you know, you like eating sushi. I like surfing. Like to me, it's it's being able to surf as often as possible. Uh, you know, I think that that is a sort of the driving force. There's no secret uh, to that. I mean, everybody who listens to this show knows that, you know, the, the, the foundation behind all my creative efforts is, is the ocean. What gets you surfing more? Yeah, that's uh, pretty, yeah. you know, being in a location where there are waves. I mean, I'm, unfortunately, I'm always at the, at the mercy of Mother Nature's schedule. <laughs> well, are we all really? Yeah, all. yeah. That's a that that's a lesson that uh, really kind of has has come come to me in the last few days. Well, Matt, uh, you know, first off, let me say uh, it's been my absolute pleasure to have you here uh, back uh, on the Unmistakable Creative. I'm actually very glad that we got to do this a second time because this was way more of what I was hoping for in a conversation. I got to know you better, uh, get to hear, really hear about your story and and what is making you unmistakable in the world. So I can't thank you uh, for taking the time to join us and uh, share some of your insights with our listeners. Well, thank you for having me. I, I enjoyed our second conversation as much as I enjoyed our first. Yeah. Today's episode of The Unmistakable Creative has been brought to you by Cells. That's S-E-L-Z dot com. Cells gives you the freedom to sell from any website quickly with no programming, no special templates or special themes needed, while giving your customer a completely seamless experience. Thanks for listening in on another candid conversation at The Unmistakable Creative. Embrace your inner misfit, express your creative voice, and remember, the goal isn't to live forever, but to create something that will. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World, and this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.